So now I'm just sitting there just tired and I'm looking at this Bible. And God speaks to me clear as day as I'm talking to you now. He says, son, listen, no matter what you try to accomplish in life, no matter what you do, no matter what the situation is, he said, you're always going to feel empty until you surrender your life to me. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Well, praise God. We are here once again on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Pastor Adam back with you again and very pleased to be joined by a wonderful and uh, talented, gifted brother in the Lord. Hey, why not? Pastor Dion Howard. How you doing, sir? I am doing great, Pastor. How you doing? Hey, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. And, uh, Thank you to our listeners. We are um, we are broadcasting live once again only for our premium subscribers. So if you're hearing this later on on the podcast, uh, we want to remind you that one of the features of being a premium subscriber, not only are you going to support world evangelism with your premium subscription money, all of that's going to World Evangelism Thursday in Chandler, Arizona, October 2022. But you also get to join us on the discussion as we record these testimony Tuesday episodes live on riverside.fm. So thank you so much for being a subscriber. That's so awesome. And uh, thank you for, for joining us tonight, pastor, uh, pastor Howard, what a blessing it's been man to, uh, to watch you and uh, your ministry begin to grow and thrive and, and uh, man, just an incredible thing to see what God is doing uh, as you were saved over there in, in Hampton, Newport News, and uh, and uh, your ministry began to take off. And so I'd like you to take a moment, first of all, as we get started here, and um, for those who don't know you and may may have heard of you but don't know all the details, maybe you can just share, you know, the uh, the short version of uh, of you, your wife, and where you are and, and what kind of ministry you're involved in right now. Right, right. So again, uh, um, a pleasure to be here. Uh, uh, with your pastor dragoon but um yep my, for those who don't know me my name is uh, Dion howard um, uh, my wife terry howard we have six children uh i always tell people you know when i get to heaven uh i can tell god one thing i did right was multiply so, <laughs> <laughs> we got that down right got that down uh packed but yeah we are um, over here uh newport news virginia um the assistant pastor here under pastor larry mitchell um, Miss Mona, wonderful couple here. Um, yeah, I've been serving here um, for many, many years now. And um, so God's really been doing some great things uh, through my life, uh, my, my wife, uh, children. And so just really happy to be saved in this day and time right now and being a blessing to our mother church here. Amen. Well, it's it's a blessing to have you. And you're no stranger to uh, our podcasting efforts. You were uh, part of the Blast podcast when that thing was still around. And and you even, right. you and Brother Rome, uh, you, Pastor Rome, you actually started okay. your own podcast way back when. Uh, um, right. So we, we appreciate your involvement with that. And man, it's it's amazing to see how God has used that. And um, man, I'm, I'm blown away at, at how God is really blessing this format and uh, making it a blessing to our churches and fellowships all around the world. So we appreciate mm-hmm. you being a part of that. So um, man, we're here to share a testimony tonight. And uh, you know, uh, knowing you and just a little bit of your history, uh, I'm excited to get kind of a deep dive and, you know, right. all the gory details. Cause I don't know them. <laughs> so well, buckle up. here we go. Yes, sir. So pastor Dion Howard, where did you grow up and what was your, what was your family life like? 
Well, I um, grew up uh, a military child, uh, uh, only child at that. Really? So that might yeah, that might explain a lot of things, uh, you know, that you, now you know. But uh, no, I'm the uh, only child. Uh, they decided to have one. <laughs> I was too much. <laughs> but I guess, um, yeah, so I grew up there in Augusta, Georgia. My mother and father um, uh, uh, was raised there. Um, a little bit about my uh, growing up, uh, for the most part, of uh, Good parents, good parents. Um, they really loved me. I'm, I'm, you know, still do to this day. I'm the only child, the baby, you know. So I grew up um, a little, uh, obviously, on the spoiled end. Um, uh, always was on the receiving end of getting and getting. And I talk probably talk about that a little later as we go into my testimony because because of that, always on the receiving end. Um, as I got older, especially going into my few, my, my early years of Christianity, um, it, 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 I really struggled with being a, a giver, so mm. to speak, uh, to really output. Cause I was always, uh, you know, uh, uh, receiving and getting. Uh, so grew up the only child, spoiled. Um, as far as a uh, religious background, um, my mother and father there and there they weren't Christians. Uh, um, at that time, um, it's getting better now. My mom is, my dad's trying, he's going to one, actually one of our fellowship churches. Oh, uh, is that right? Yeah. In Augusta, Georgia, Pastor Hurl. Oh, Pastor Hurl. Yeah. yeah, yeah I was yeah, in, yeah. I was down in that church not too long ago. Yeah, Praise God. Yeah. yeah. Good friend of mine, man. And so, um, so God's moving, but I grew up, um, like I said, just a simple life. Um, you know, had everything given to me, had a great childhood. Uh, there's no complaints there. Um, uh, but, uh, as far as church life, um, my family was kind of religious. My mom and dad didn't necessarily go to church um, all the time. The only time we would go to church is when, you know, there was a funeral, somebody died. Uh, Easter was really, really big. We had to say our Easter egg program speech. I still know it to this day. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you care to hear it in like 10 seconds. Oh, please. Uh, maybe Maybe we'll invite you over just for that. Right, right. So it says Easter egg, Easter egg, don't you cry. I'm going to eat you anyhow. Happy Easter, everybody. That was every year. And the crowd would go wild, man. But that's a whole nother uh, tale of the, the religiosity that we're living in. But yeah, so as you can tell, grew up religious, man. You know, and back in those days, you know, your, your Easter egg speech, man, you were saved, man. I'm telling you. So uh, that was really the only time we would go to church when those particular type of events, Mother's Day. Um, uh, so yeah, as far as, uh, childhood, my, my, now, as I grew older, um, um, uh, my parents were married for about, I want to say 21, 22 years. My dad was in the military about 22 years. When I was about 21, they ended up getting a divorce. Mm. Um, you know, after all those years and whatnot, um, they ended up getting a divorce. Unfortunately, I was like, I say about 21, right at the peak of just, you know, you know, filling out things. And to be honest with you, I kind of out of sight, out of mind type thing, because at that time, um, do you want me to kind of go into my testimony now? As well, far as no, well, yeah, we're, we're going to get there. But I, I just okay. want maybe a little curious about, you know, your your upbringing. Like, what, what kind of things were you into when you were in high hmm. school? Were you in sports? Were you in those kinds right, of right, things? Right, right, right. Well, so, yep, growing up in high school. Okay, so a couple stories with high school. Um I grew up around a lot of prestigious friends, meaning most of all of my friends were people that were um, that you would thought going to the NBA, NFL uh, in high school. Um, had, uh, I grew up playing a little bit of basketball. I never really got to play any type of grade school sports because I was just in and out of trouble in school and uh, not doing certain different things, made myself ineligible. Um, but in high school, um, one of the biggest things that we that we that I, that I was involved in um, it was just trouble, man. Just you know, in the neighborhood, doing various different things. Uh, you know that, that that kids do Not, nothing too bad. Uh, like I said, most of my all of my friends. Well, I had two sets of friends. I had friends that that was into sports that I hung around. Then I had the knuckleheads, obviously. And so um, I never necessarily got caught up uh, with some of the things they were doing. There was a couple of different times that. Life could have went in different directions or whatnot, but uh, for the most part, man, just um, I was just uh, I was just always in the midst of. I was the hype man. I was the one that was always uh, in the midst of something. Uh, whether that was instigating something, whether that was 
on the front lines of something, always ambitious, always wanting to, to do things. Um, I remember one time, uh, like I said, most a lot of my friends were high high top ass, uh, uh, prospects to go to big time colleges. And so we used to have this in high school. I remember they had like a uh, what kind of like this, but more like a TV program was called uh, it was called Tony C Sports. And so I would go on there every Friday night. All the the the, the people from the the city would would go on there and talk about their team. And I became known as a super fan. True story. <laughs> And so I would go on there so much, just bragging on our high school and talking about my friends that were playing to it. It got, I got, it got so popular that people would call on the, uh, on the actual air, wanting me on the show. And so I'll be talking trash, like, who is this guy that no one knows? You don't play no sports, you just talk trash, <laughs> or whatever, you know. Just, so anyway, man, I remember looking at the show one day, and uh, again. Uh, I remember Tony C saying, you know, this guy, Dion, that everyone's talking about, they want you on the show. So I remember coming on the show, Pastor, and I remember it was almost like I was in the Hollywood state. It had a big old bright light on me, and, and I had a little microphone. It was, I'm just talking about various different things. And so I had my little 15 second of fame uh, uh, real quick in high school one night in regards to that show, because it was a big show in our city, and I was always found myself on there. But other than that, man, I mean, just a big partier. In, in high school, as far as that goes, and different did, things. Did you get I, Did you get wrapped up in uh, like alcohol, drugs, kind of stuff? No, not in high school. And that's where it just ready to go into my early twenties. In high school, I was just the class clown, man. I didn't do any drugs. I didn't, um, uh, you know, I would drink every now and then. Because uh, what's fun, what's crazy is I ended up getting kicked out of school in eleventh grade. I missed so many days. Or whatever, to, uh, I I had to end up graduating, and it was, it was uh, my wife always joking with me about it because I had they had to pretty much pay for me to go to school to graduate. It was in a little house, bro. It was like bootleg. Um, this guy from Trinidad had this doctorate degree that he was just giving away diplomas. My I put my parents through all type of stuff. They had to pay fifty dollars a week. I mean, it was just bootleg, man. It was, it was like a little <laughs> house on the prairie. That was a high school. They had a basketball team and everything. It was like comical. But I end up, because uh, I end up graduating in December. Like, who graduates in December? Like, nobody. <laughs> that's how That's how you know it was jacked up or whatever. I graduated like December 20, 28th, you know, in the cold. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And so, uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, 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 yeah. But no, no, I, uh, just a class clown, man. Just always getting into stuff, but uh heavy drinking and drugs didn't come they came a little bit after high school okay so did the when, when your parents broke up you're 21 did did that have an effect on you were, were you already out of the house by that time oh no i mean my priorities were jacked up i, I didn't leave the house till i was 24 we, we get to that in a minute but you know what man at that time um um at that time how can i describe that Divorce. I guess I was more naive. I thought she was coming back because she wrote a letter and was talking about, you know, uh, her her departure. My mom wrote. I came home one day, and you know, out of nowhere, it just, it, you know, she wrote a letter in regards to that she was going to be leaving. Um, it remained a real big mystery all the way for like years. On after like on all different times, I start finding out certain different things. But um, I guess at the time, man, because I was really getting drugs and I mean the party life even super heavier and I talk about that in a minute I guess for me it was like surreal I was like oh she'd just be back mm. the year passed then this year passed there's three or four years I'm just like mm. so it was really out of sight out of mind I think what I do looking back now I kind of just blocked it out really so it never really you never processed I, it I never processed it but it didn't bother me it didn't stop nothing but it was just like numb. It was just like, you know, but after a while I was like, okay, well, she ain't coming back. But by that time, I was just so spaced out doing my thing. And so it, re it really didn't, it really, you know, it really just didn't affect me um, any tangible way that I can tell you. Um, you know, maybe her being in the household at that time more, I probably would have maybe, you know, cause my mom was a real discipliner mm. in, in my household or whatever. You know, she just slapped me for no reason, man, you know, bow, you know, my dad was, you know, the opposite, very lenient mm -hmm. uh, on me, which that, you know, uh, you know, good, good parents, man, they really love me, still do. 
there, but there's a lot of leniency on me being, being the only child. You sure. know, I believe, and it's kind of just, it, it, it did take nothing on their part. You know, they just, you know, spoiling their only child. But for me, I think it, it, it caused um, other different things to, to be a procrastinator in life. And so, you know, a lot of different things. Like I didn't get my license, man, until I was 27 and married. Wow. Yeah. Yes, wow. for my wife. But wife, what for my wife? I probably still be driving dirty right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Oh yeah. my goodness. So so when when your mom left out, so it was just you and your dad left in the house then. Oh man, it was a mess. Yeah, that's when the um, things really got uh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, what started you down that road? Well, so I mean, my house. And, you know, um, uh, as, actually, uh, you spoke about Rome Pastor He grew up in the same neighborhood and never even knew it. Is that right? I, yeah, until I seen him in 2010 when he, we started talking and he came into the fellowship and over there in Hampton and we got to talking. But we never knew each other. I stayed in a neighborhood called Pepper Ridge. I stayed on the, it was like a, it was literally like top and bottom. But anyway, my house, man, was, you would have thought, if you didn't know any better, you would have thought it was an actual club, but in a residential area. I mean, we partied so much. So check it. The schedule from my dad, when once my, especially once my mom left. Mm. Um, um, now, my dad, he would crack down on me on different things, but it was just only so much because he was kind of doing the same thing, too, going out to the club different stuff as well. He just wanted me to have some respect for his house, which uh, I didn't. Uh-huh. And he would leave early in the day, let's say maybe 10, 11, 11 o'clock. He was a correctional officer. He retired out of the military. So he worked at a correction facility uh, for, 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 for a few years. And his 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 job, um, although he didn't work, work long hours, it was very permissible for me and my friends in the neighborhood to do what we want to do and try right. to straighten up by the time he got home. So my house was just one of those spots, man, where it's like a hangout spot. Oh man, it was a it was yeah, hangout spot was an understatement, man. We just really just did everything. Mm. Everything we did. I did drugs in my parents' house. Um there was all it, I, you know, man, one room might be for drugs, the other room we were gambling. I had a head I had a heavy uh gambling problem with, with shooting dice. I um I, you know, so as I got into my my early 20s, that's when everything kind of started. Because, um, I mean, I was scared to death to do drugs and do different type of stuff when I was in my, my mom and dad's house. I would go to parties and stuff, but I was never the drug user or whatever. I just wasn't. But out of high school and getting into my early 20s and having that leniency with my dad being there and gone, you know, all my friends did drugs. Mostly all my predominant friends, I told you that, had promises in the NBA and they, now they're in college. Mm. So now I'm with the other set of friends, the ones that are that are nobodies, and I was a nobody. What'd you call them? So, the hooligans. Yeah, the hooligans. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the, you know, the, the ones that are still doing the same thing today, twenty mm. years later. Yeah. Um, now I'm with them set of friends. Right. I'm like, man, and life is like passing me by. I'm twenty, I'm twenty one, twenty two, and all I'm doing, um. Um, is going to clubs. I'm, I'm, I'm disrespecting my parents' house. I, I remember one time um, just backing up. Cause actually, it did kind of start right when my mom's exiting it out. She had this glass table, um, a very expensive glass table, and we're in the kitchen shooting dice. And somewhere or another, someone, uh, something happened playing around horse playing and fell back on the whole crystal table and broke it. Mm. That was the start of destru- the, the, uh, being very destructive in my parents' homes, uh, they would come home, there's holes in the walls, and just horse playing. Because again, I mean, everybody, my house may, at, at, at a good day, have anywhere between 30 to 40 people in it. Oh my goodness. It, it was that, like that bad. Like cars, you would thought it was a movie scene. Because outside of the car of, our, of my house, it was like a strip of just cars. And just wow. people just out there. And, um, yeah, and so that was the that was my life for like the last for the for for between twenty between twenty years old until like twenty four. That was it. Mm. That that's what I almost did every day was like routine, and you could tell my dad was getting fed up. He would come home. I'm mean, we're trying to clear the house out from smoke, and, and all he's wanted. It, it wasn't that he was so on me about doing my drugs or drinking. It was like, listen, have some respect. Like, go out of my house. 
don't disrespect like that. And I didn't necessarily, I guess, mean to. I, I love my mom and dad, but I just, I just was out there, man. And you know, now that you asked me the question, man, I wonder. I don't know. I don't know if that was my. I I can't really say at the time that was the way me coping with my mom leaving. Cause I, I, in real time, I didn't think that, right. but maybe, maybe some, you know, um, I don't know, uh, subconsciously that's what I was doing and mm. didn't know it right? because yeah. I, that was not happening when she was there that right. I can tell you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, uh, so I, I wonder who was bankrolling all of this, man. That sounds like an expensive party ongoing. Right. Well, I wasn't, I was a bum, man. Listen, I'm telling you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, and it wasn't like I hang, hung around a whole bunch of friends that were balling and nothing. Cause we were just no life. Listen, we grew up good kids, man. We wasn't one of those, um, stories where people just, you know, I'm not saying they yeah. got a license to do things anywhere, but I had a good home. Yeah. Good middle class. Right. I was the only child. I always got everything given to me. So I had no reason to, um, you know, and again, I wasn't in the streets. I wasn't in no, no games. I wasn't out breaking into houses. I just had no business about myself. Yeah. It was, I was the only child. All I wanted to do was party, get high, chase girls. I mean, it got so bad, Adam. We would go out of, t- I mean, we would go out of town on a dime, man. We'll shoot to Miami. We'll go to Atlanta. Now, oh, now, you know what? Let me back up. You asked me what are the things I like to do a lot, a yeah. lot, that I'm, I was a dancer. Oh, really? Now, yeah, I was, that, a, I was that's a big time dancer. That just that's one of them. That's one of them skills that doesn't translate into the kingdom very well. <laughs> right, right. I can't do that. You know, okay, you know, we don't got praise, dance, and different stuff in our fellowship. You know, so. But no, that was my thing. Yeah, that, yeah. So if I, now that we're talking, you got me kind of just thinking. Yeah, from from high school, that was me. I was the partier. I was. Uh, the first one in the club, last one to leave. I, I was leaving when the janitors left, bro. Like it, it was bad. So, all you asked me about who was funding stuff. I mean, my dad would give me. My, I would have these little jobs here and there, nothing, nothing uh, serious. Working at a restaurant or uh, different things. So you know, and then my friends, they have their money. But all our money went through clubbing and drugs and mm. people. We hung around people that sold drugs. Like we were really bums, man. Mm. We didn't. We didn't we, we, we were, yeah, we just yeah. these spoiled kids in these neighborhoods well, living in our parents' house. You know what's funny about that is I see I see that in so many kids today. It's not that they're it's not that they're broken, you know, that nah. they're they're poor. It's just man that they're so they're they're so they don't understand how blessed they are, right? Mm, and they take right, it for right. granted. This is like mm-hmm. this is like why I love taking kids out of the country for the first time to see what mm. you know how really good they have it but right, man, right. man that that lifestyle that you describing describing right now is it, i mean our churches are filled with people like that and maybe not to right. that same degree but you know right. with church kids especially like man growing up in good blessed homes with saved yeah. parents and you know mm-hmm. and still begin acting the fool you know just uh, right. as we're recording this here on Monday night uh, we did a we did a testimony Tuesday with Pastor Paul Alvarez, right? Mm. Uh, and so that'll be coming out tomorrow. But man, his story that's that's his story basically. Man, he grew up in this great Christian home. His dad's pioneering. His mom, his family, they're tight. But you know, you just end up mm-hmm. taking it for granted. Yeah, right. I, I, and I mm. see that. I see that's such a weakness. Um, in a lot of it kids and, and you know, not just kind of floundering and not really finding your way in those early twenties years. I right. see that so much, man. I see. Right. And, um, you know, having, having interviewed a bunch of pastors on this, on this show, um, the ones that like really get serious at a young age, like when they're 17, 18, get married, 19, 20 years old, man, what a blessing that is. But when you, yeah. you miss that window, it's like, wow, you, you, you can, well, it's like so much, so much passes through. Yeah. Yeah. You, that, you know, so, so much just passes through it. And, 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 you know, you're right that you hit it on the head. That's, and that's my story. It wasn't a situation. Again, there's never no excuse or yeah. doing anything devious just because, but you do have people that have, they will make their value. Hey, look, I do this. I didn't have this. I didn't have no mom and dad. That wasn't my case. Right. Uh, oh, I lived in a neighborhood where, listen, man, everything, I was missing meals. That wasn't the case. Right. It just was, 
taking it for granted, being again, I took everything was always given to me. Yeah, everything was given to me. I mean, listen, I had listen. I was a teenager. I, I told this story uh, a couple of times, maybe in some sermons I preached. Man, I'm getting Christmas like a five year old when I'm 16, <laughs> 17 years old, bro. I recall I was about 12 years old. Uh, quick story, real quick. I got like 84 presents, bro. <laughs> 84. Listen, it was so bad, right? We went out of town. My mom, because she was just big with Christmas, she took about 40 of my presents out of town because we were celebrating. And my mom was just, she brought all, she brought all my cousins. I got a lot of cousins. That kind of made up for my brothers yeah, and sisters, right. by the way. Because we would go out of town a lot to, to Vidalia, Georgia, where my dad from. And just real quick, uh, I, I, I got this Christmas, I got all these presents. I'm there. And, uh, and again, this was, this is part of the the madness, man, that, 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 you know, I loved it then, but it, it hurt me as an adult. Man. Mm. That's why I keep, came I'm back around. Stories. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so I remember I'm open. I opened about 40 presents. I, in my mind, when I go back home, I got more presents to open. Well, to our surprise, we come home and our home is broken into. Oh no. And so the first thing I'm thinking like, yo, <laughs> somebody loves me. How about the thief? He took all the TVs, all the VCRs we had and left every single present that I had under the tree. And I'm there while my mom and dad arguing and cursing about who could have did it and talking to the police. I'm just, you know, I'm showing them, like, yeah, I still got this. I still got that, you know. But anyway, it was a mess, man. But saying all of that. Uh... Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. I really believe, um, Pastor Dragoon, some of the, the, the just the, so, and again, this is this is no weight on my mom and dad right. or whatever. You know, it's just, you know, you know, uh, I'm the only child. Yeah. But just for me, it made me not have an urgency about life. Mm. It made me just really sit back. Down. I'm always going to get, you know. And then, as we now kind of maneuver into the days closer to when I get how I get saved. I'm about, I'm 24 years old. And man, it got to a point, man, I was doing ecstasy, man. Um, um, and, you know, I didn't do it that much, but I did it enough. Let me just say it like that. I was never the guy, when it comes to drugs, I never sold it. Sold it. Um, I never even really bought it. My friends always had it, and I did it. That's the thing. And so I remember one night, man, coming back from a club. I'm just in my mom and dad room. Uh, whatever, just and I'm like, it got listen, man. It got so bad. My house was so much in the spot. My front door, for some reason, would not lock. My door stayed open twenty four seven, bro. Like because the lock was in. We, me, and my dad, both was just too lazy to fix it. So my friends, they would come in the house. Wow. Come in the house. Is... My dad had a habit of sleeping on the floor in the front, in front, in front, in front of his TV. You know, because, you know, instead of sleeping in his bed, he would watch TV and fall asleep on the floor. 
I got friends and girls, people stepping over them, trying to be quiet to, to get to my room. It, and I remember one night just sitting here like, hit me i'm like yo this life that i'm living is crazy like, who does that yeah who goes into people's parents house I'm, i got people sneaking in out my window because my dad was you know depending on my, the friend he was like all right i just keep it quiet back there but i got to the point i said man, i am really disrespecting my dad's house mm. it got so bad man where i try to put something to my on my door because they would come early in the morning when he leaves sometimes you know, they're beat up. Dilo, I'm outside. That's what they call me. My, my nickname was Dilo. It was like, Dilo, that we outside, man. It's like early in the morning. Like, birds are still chirping. They want to get high. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to lock my windows and so they, so my friends couldn't even get in. Oh, my goodness. And I don't know what's happening with me. I, I didn't have no, at this point, no encounter with God or whatever. But now I believe it. He, he was slowly breaking me like, yo, this life yeah. is old. Yeah. And the very thing that you're doing that you love to have fun in, now you're like, yo, it got to be more than life. All my childhood friends are uh, playing uh, college basketball, about to go to the, I mean, football, about to go to the NFL. This guy's over here, you know, and my my other set of friends, they're doing nothing. And so, man, it got to a point, man, where I was just really discouraged. Mm. Uh, I got really, really discouraged. And so I don't know if you want me to kind of transition oh. to Man, the, 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 fun, got... the fun runs out pretty quick, doesn't it? Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. It, it really did. So, quick. It okay. Just... Well, what I'd like you to do before you start moving towards how did you get to the, the place of salvation, like talk to the person who is in that place, maybe struggling mm. with growing up, like struggling right. with – taking that step of adulthood, that responsibility, like maybe there's somebody who's going to listen to this, who's kind of stuck in that place. What, what would you say to him? You know, Paul, the apostle Paul makes mention that, you know, you know, you know, when I, when I was a child, I thought like a child and he make and is making a mention of, you know, several different ways you can go there, but it, it doesn't benefit you to be grown will do childish things. It doesn't uh, benefit in the, in the back end of life, it really, it really short, you really miss out on a lot when you don't grow up. Um, and sometimes I know for me, uh, you know, and if you're listening, you're probably in that state of mind where, you know, cause at the time I had no responsibilities. I'm at home, but now, what I literally watched was life pass me by in my early twenties. Mm. I mean, I'm working burger jobs. I attempted to go to one, to school one time. They got my paperwork mixed up. I just it it was just so easy to have no priorities and had no ambition and drive. And listen, that spirit of laziness for those that don't want to grow up, it becomes real. Mm. You become very complacent, and you find yourself stuck in that place. So I would encourage you, listen, grow up. Understand that, listen, life is not going to stand still for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that the friends are going to grow up. People are going to move away. Life is going to continue to to build. And what happens is, um, Adam, it begins to stack up on you. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're not moving, things are just stacking up on you right. and, and get you in a desperate place of, of yearning for something. And that's mm-hmm. what happened with me. Again, I didn't have a... Uh, a religious background, but I do want to say this because I think this is very key to mention. My grandmother was uh, um, was was a Christian, the praying grandmother. Right, right. And listen, one of the things about that I can say when I was nine, ten, and eleven, when I would go to my grandmother's house, for some reason, man, I always had a curiosity about the Bible. While all of my other cousins was running out in the streets, uh, and I'm talking about kids. When I say running in the streets, I'm just talking about just playing hide and go see. I yeah. did that too, but I was the grandchild who would sit by her and ask questions mm. and read the Bible. And this with her. And, and even, you know, as crazy as it sounds, when I got in my early 20s, I remember hosting Bible stuff. I was just playing with the Bible. That's yeah. all. But something still drew, even in the midst of being high, I would pull out the Bible and talk to my friends about certain different things. I mean, not ministering at all, but just you had some something. You had some curiosity about it. I had a lot of curiosity, always been curious, and I believe that curiosity, when God began to deal with me about the emptiness of this party life that you're never not going nowhere, 
that stuff kicked back in. Mm. And it was like, man, I got to do something. But that do something wasn't even about getting saved. It was just like, I would hear this inner voice like something is about to change and are you going to be ready for it? Because I remember that day, man, I was just kind of crying and just wanting to get away from my friends and don't, don't want to do drugs no more. And so, but I would just say, that's what I would say. Uh, it doesn't pay to be empty uh, uh, in your whole life. Yeah. You know, um, not, grow, not, will, not, not pretty much not, not willing to grow up, especially, like Zagun, uh, uh, I mentioned, especially when you don't have to. No one don't have to, but people do have heavy struggles than others where they got to yeah. fight through some things. I didn't have to fight through nothing, bro. Mm. This stuff was un was an unnecessary journey. It's kind of like the Israelites in that 11-day journey from um, the, to Canada. It took 40 years, man. Unnecessary travel, bro. Yeah. That, that was me. Unnecessary, and, I, and that's what I would say, you know, mm. if you don't grow up, you're going to take an unnecessary travel. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, in the long run, uh, it took you where you needed to go. And same, right. same with Israel, even though it was unnecessary, that was the process they had to go through to get there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So talk Absolutely. about how, how, where, where did the turn take place? Like, how, how was it that you, you know, understood that God was actually pursuing you? Well, man, get ready for this story. Okay. So, I'm ready. You know, it's funny because when I tell my testimony and this, it's all my wife always nudges me when we ever have visits. Oh, here we go. This is long. <laughs> so I'm gonna get it. So now being on this type of platform is just like I'm still gonna make it brief. Well, here's the thing. I'm 24 years old. Um, I just come back from a, a a little event we had in Florida called Spring Bling, where a lot of celebrities and different stars and was hanging out, and, and that was the thing too. We had a little few local celebrities, little rappers from the rap industry that I that I had friends that they were cool with. So I, it was a lot of people that, um, um, uh, one rapper in particular named Pastor Choi, I used to be kind of in his entourage. He was like this new, this rapper or whatnot. I don't know if he's still around now, but this is the stage of where we're at now with this, where this, um, um, this, um, hold on, let me put this in here. This um, transformation begins to kind of take place. Um, hold on one second. Adam. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Let me, uh, let me see here. Okay, we're good to go. How, how is that? We still, we still. We're uh, good. Yep. Okay. And so, um, at this point, um, I'm, um, I'm 24 years old. I'm just coming back from this hanging out with stars and different little different things. Um, I have a friend uh, named Terrence Hayes, and I'm forever indebted to him, man. All, he ain't living for God or nothing, but because of what God used him to do, really set the pace and tone. And so anyway, man, um, I, um, he, 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 he had moved to New, uh, Virginia, mm -hmm. you know, explaining the whole Virginia transition. And he was, um, he partied with me, did, you know, different stuff, but he was one of the ones that was trying to make some type of change. And he heard about the shipyard in Newport News through a friend. And he played basketball, so he was interested in playing the in the apprentice program. Okay. And he had been and he had been up there for maybe I don't know four or six months, uh, working in the shipyard. And, and so I remember him coming home one summer, and here I am. I'm this 24 year old, still staying with mom and dad. Don't even have a license, none of that type of stuff. Just letting life life pass me by. And he's like, hey man, he said, why don't you try to come up to Virginia and and, and do something different. I'm like, well, what's in Virginia? He said, well, look, I work in the shipyard. What I can do is I can rig you up this resume. I can get you in the shipyard, man. You can make all this money. Plus, you're from out of town, so they give you per diem. You'll be a sheet metal mechanic making about $24 an hour. So that was kind of interesting. I'm like, okay. Not bad. Well, man, not bad. And you're going to rig me up a resume? Now, keep in mind, I've never been in the military been on a naval ship i at the time i don't know the difference between uh ford and av and port and starboard you know to decide i don't know anything i don't know what the island house is i don't know what the the uh uh the, uh, the main deck i don't know anything about a boat and this man's about to get me a job so i rolled with it man i tell my dad i said i'm going to virginia dad um we don't, we don't, let's see what the chips, what the chips fall at. Lo and behold, I get to Virginia. This is 2004. Okay. 
Um, I'm there. I come up here. Now, he stays in a bachelor pad. Uh, it's him. It's a one-bedroom apartment. It's him, me, and two other roommates. One-bedroom apartment. That and sounds we all crowded. Slept. Oh, it's very crowded. We slept on our beds was the sectional council. You know how the sectional council, they, they connect to that wall, and they go to that wall, and that wall. I'm on this account. It's, a, it's, a, it's the same count, <laughs> like a, almost like a C. But we got our own part. Like this, this counts is not separated. It's, it's together, but it's just long. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So for those who have never seen you in real life, you are not a small person. Right. About, <laughs> about right now, about six two. And at the time, I'm about two two thirty, something like that. Not that big. Uh, I, I was about two hundred at that time. Okay. Or whatever. And so yeah, not a big. Hey, and by the way, the guys I was with, they weren't small either. No. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're there for about two weeks. I, as he said, he promised, he delivered, man. Rigged me up a resume. This girl showed me how to, to do this and do that. I went to some welding school. I, I failed the welding school, but because I had to connect, I still passed. So now my first day at work, I am a qualified first-class sheet metal mechanic making wow. $23 an hour plus per diem. Man. Well, that, well, that uh, story came crashing down within like 15 minutes. <laughs> it's part of my testimony, so bear with me. So I'm there, and this girl, she said, I know you don't know anything. <laughs> she said, listen, if you need something, you need to come find me. Lo and behold, my, my first – I make more than my boss. His name was Mr. Green. I'll never forget. So he said, okay, you're my first class. We're good to have you. He said, so listen, what I need you to do, I need you to cut this here, cut this there. And I'm a sheet metal mechanic. So he wanted me to cut and measure by the eighths and, and the rules. I'm like, man, I've been out of high school a minute. I remember the 16th. I, mean, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> so I mean, this is my head. So I'm, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Right. So he gives me the paper, and I'm there, man. I'm, I got my measurement, man. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm about to sink this shit, man. I'm about to be another Titanic, bro. <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> um, I'm working on the bush or whatnot. So any sailors listen to me on the bush, hey, be 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 careful. Not just joking. But um, um, he comes back. He gets the paper. He looks at the paper. At me. He he it was a drawer over there. He's like, hey, I want you to measure this and show me where you would cut that at. So I'm all down there. I'm measuring. I'm looking crazy, bro. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I stands up and he says. He didn't say nothing. He just took the badge off my chest and said, sir, this job is not for you. Oh, I made $24 an hour for only five minutes. <laughs> so didn't make I it catch, one hour, huh? Oh, man, I catch that bus down Warwick. I'm in Newport News at the time. Check this out. Not knowing the whole time the Potter's House, you know, that I'm going to now is right down the street. As a matter of fact, Pastor Rosario stayed in the exact uh, apartment complex across from mine the whole entire time I was wow. here. Yeah. So here's the, here's how it worked. So I get there. My friend's having a big party. He had just dropped me. I worked the second shift. I bust through the door. They're drinking, smoking. Got, you know, kind of look like my house back in the day or whatever. And I'm like, man, my words were, was, I said, roll me up a blunt, man. I'm about to go back to Georgia right now tonight. He was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And he all drunk and stuff. I said, man, I just got fired, bro. They found out that I don't know nothing early. <laughs> and so he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He was like, listen, man. He was like, listen, just, he said, Zach was, he said, just stay here, calm down. He said, there must be a reason why you're in Virginia. That's mm. exactly what he said. There must be a reason. There mu this is a total sinner who ain't got a clue who's a sinner to this day. Wow. God used to tell me those words. I was gone, bro. I, but the reality is, look, I can make seven, eight dollars home doing that. I came up to Virginia to make this money. Right. That's it. Right. Anyway, he was able to talk to me. I called my dad. Um, I'm like, hey, dad, you know, I'm about to come back. Now he's like, no, nah, boy. He was like, you know, you need to stay up there. You're 24 years old. You need to try to figure this out. I could have came home. But it was, it was my friend encouraging me and my dad encouraging me and saying, look, man, just even him, like, must be a reason why you're up there. I guess this job, Adam, this way, uh, man, I tell you, I, did, I had a lot, had a, you know, speak to God, had, you know, got a prayer life. And, but listen, this is probably one of 
maybe five times where I'm talking about a encounter mm. with God. I ain't talking about just no, I'm talking about a, a real encounter and can't nobody tell me nothing different. Right. When I said when I say the Holy Ghost witness to me, that was my first flyer. It was from God. And here it is. I take this job in this uh uh, uh it's called Danny's Deli, making about $6 an hour. It ain't what I come up here for. And I remember I used to work these long shifts. I remember walking home one night. Now, here's the format. At this time, it's about two months down the road in 2004. My friend that played basketball, he hurt himself in the shipyard. So he had to uh, go. He went to Georgia. He's on workers' comp. So he's enjoying life, you know, making free money you know, milking the system and all that type of stuff. So while he's doing that, this is the same person that brought me up. Mm -hmm. The two roommates that I had, they ain't really paying the bills and different stuff, and he ain't either. So now they they actually move out for a time. They they had baby mamas and places they can stay and different stuff. I didn't. So the lights is out. It's in the middle of June. I'm sorry, uh, April. No, no. Yeah, June. It's hot. Man, I remember just coming home every night just like man just beat and this one particular night you know again i'm there by myself lights out i'm just sitting on the couch in our living room exhausted mm. and now my friend his name is Derek. he wasn't a christian at all but he had this big old bible man when i said this bible was so big it was a big blue bible probably about the size of that picture you see right there i'm talking <laughs> about big for no reason bro i mean <laughs> super big you can't miss it <laughs> And he would always read it from time to time. Nothing about him to say. I mean, he would smoke and read. That's what he did. Wow. So now I'm just sitting there just tired, and I'm looking at this Bible. And God speaks to me clear as day as I'm talking to you now. He says, son, listen, no matter what you try to accomplish in life, no matter what you do, no matter what the situation is, he said, you're always going to feel empty until you surrender your life to me. Mm. I'm just sitting there looking at the Bible and this is what's in my mind. Clear as day. I mean, a radical, just like a, it just hit me, man. Yeah. And I'm sitting there almost like stuck. You know, two weeks after, you know, I got the news, I was gonna go back home. And I said, you know what, Lord? It's just like that, I'm speaking out loud, I'm talking to you, just looking at the Bible. I said, I'm about to read this whole entire Bible from the beginning to the end. I just spoke that commitment out. Wow. I'm a, that's a whole nother uh, podcast or sermon for somebody listening. Just I spoke my commitment out. I said, I'm about to do this. Something I never done before. I never read two chapters back to back in my whole life, but it was like, I, there was a confidence that I was going to do that. Mm. That's exactly what I did. Man, some, it ahead. sounds like somebody prayed that into you. Man. Cause that just doesn't happen, man. That that's like, that's that's oh that's miracle gosh. level stuff, man. I, I, again, I talk about the calendar. This is one of them, and here I am. I read this whole entire Bible in three to four, three and a half to four months. What? Listen, I'm coming home. Keep in mind, you notice I ain't mentioned Dallas House Church. Yeah, so none none of that has happened. Right. Yet. First flyers from the Holy Ghost. I get saved, bro. I'm talking about I'm reading the Bible. Coming home in the same uh, circumstance, it's hot. I am so desired and so urgent to read this Bible. I would get off work. It was like clockwork. The lights was out in my apartment complex. I don't want you to picture this. The only light I had, I had one of those apartments where you know you had to walk in the... Uh, it's like, you know, how you walk, you open the apartment. It wasn't outside. You had to walk in, and then there's like, you know, apartments up there, apartments there. I was so determined and excited to read my Bible, I would leave my front door open so the hall light from the, from, from the apartment and open my blinds so the street light can help me read my Bible. I'm wow. reading like 30 chapters a day. I'm going through Leviticus. I don't understand none of it, man. <laughs> I'm reading I'm just going through, but you know what? I read the whole entire Bible in like four months. And I tell everybody, did I understand understand everything? Nope. Did I comprehend everything? Nope. But God was doing something mm. in me. Yeah. I'm telling you, 
there was stuff I stopped cold turkey. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking, stopped cursing, stopped having sex, all the basic stuff that I was doing. And here it is. I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm confessing my faith. I'm calling my friends back home. Like, yo, bro, I've been touched by God. I got saved. And wow. I'm getting different. I'm getting different responses. People are saying, oh, yeah, man, that's cool. That's good for you. Uh, you know, uh, other friends were saying, yeah, man, you know, I tried that Jesus thing before. Almost like Jesus is some type of board game or something. Like, right. no, 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 you don't, you don't try, bro. This is a lifestyle. I'm telling my dad he's happy, but, you know, he's he not living for God. He's like, oh, man, that's cool. Man, that's good. I told you it was a reason up there, boy, you know, stuff like that. And so a couple of months go by. Now, remember, I'm doing this by myself at the house. I don't have no influence there. That's amazing. But now the influence is coming back. My friend moves back from workers comp. The, uh, now that he's here, the, the, you know, the bread and butter, the other one's back in and now they didn't lost their their party friend and smoking friend. And they oh, actually yeah. they're actually proud of me. They're like, "Okay, well, you know, you do your thing, but we still going to do this, brother, you know." And so here I am, I'm working my little job. I come home and I'm like the oddball. I'm jamming to gospel music. I got all type of religious stuff on Kirk Franklin. I ain't no no better, man. I'm just, I'm just doing it, man. You know, Mary, Mary, I'm just, you know. <laughs> and so they're still smoking and drinking and different stuff. And so that's 2004. So going into 2005, a turn began to happen. Um, I found myself getting religious. Okay. Um, doing various different stuff. I'm kind of, there's certain different things I still ain't doing, but there's something different things like my music. Yeah. I'm still thinking I can get away with certain music or okay. whatever. Again, you know, no church influence, no pastor in my life, no discipleship. I, so I know God were, did something. You were saved, but you weren't being discipled. Oh yes, absolutely. That's how you. That's how you. That's exactly, and that's a that's a whole other importance of discipleship. Mm. Oh, yep. we take that for granted because God touched me. Yep. There's some things I did not want to do no more. It was the religious side of it. Right. And so here it is, um, Adam, it's 2005 beginning to turn. My friend who brought me up here, he goes out to the club one night. And uh, he, um, he it's, it's snowing outside. But when I say it's snowing, it is coming down. And we sleep. And I knew he had went out. It's one of the nights, you know, again, I'm saved. I'm doing good. I ain't go out with him. Man. I'm chilling. I'm sleeping in my house like I'm supposed to, you know. So he, man, it's about four in the morning. I wake up. Man, listen, I thought I was in hell. I woke up, and I say this, I say that because it was pitch black, and I'm coughing. There's smoke everywhere, black smoke. If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. Thank you.